lovely listener. It is Celia, host of Love Waits for You. If this is your first time joining me, this has been my journey to self-worth and healing. I'm the author of Celia's Eyes, founder of the nonprofit Lead with Love International, and mortgage guru. <laughs> um, so that's what I do. Um, today we are going to talk about uh, a healing modality. It's called um, IFS or internal family systems. Last week I was telling my listeners that um, that was something I was curious about. So I've done some studying on it. And um, the next thing I want to talk about after this today is uh, it's called brain spotting. I don't know if I told you guys about it last week, but I am actually going to my first appointment for it on the 11th. So not only will I be able to, you know, do some research and share it like I will on this episode about the internal family systems, um, I can tell you even more about it because I can let you know if it works. So um, that will be, I'm pretty sure this is how I'm planning it out. I'm going to record next week's episode after I've done that, and I'm going to research it in the same way I did internal family systems. So when you hear the name internal family systems, you may, like me, um, I would hear it around the healing space for quite a bit, and I would think that it's talking about, you know, like the trauma and families and stuff like that, but it's actually nothing. It The model is about your self. It's all yourself. So if you Google it and you look up an image, they'll see... Um, it shows that like you have yourself and then you have these parts. So like yourself is the center of a person. I'm going to read you from one of these uh, little diagrams I see online. You can just Google and see it. And uh, let's see what, what this is so I can link it for you. Uh, let's see here. It's all about understanding yourself through internal family systems. So a lot of people like psychotherapists or life coaches, they incorporate this into their practice. You know me, I'm always like, hey, for a $50 donation, like I'll be happy to, you know, hop on a phone call with you and help you explore some things. And, you know, I think I could be a great life coach. I just, you know, my gifting with the numbers and, um, you know, it's a good business to be in, what I do with the mortgage business, it would really be kind of charity-based, the life coaching, because like I said, $50 um, to basically get on the phone with me and us talk about it, and it's a donation to my nonprofit, it would, gen- it would truly just be like, hey, I've, I would like to get something for my nonprofit, but honestly, I just like to help people for free, but there has to be some kind of exchange, otherwise... Uh, you know, I could, plus nobody, okay, I'm going to stop analyzing that. I'm going to move on. (laughs) Okay. So what, okay. So let me just go back a little bit. So I'm going to link the sources I have, um, for everything I talk about, but I have set IFS internal family systems. It was founded by this doctor. Um, it was, what was his name on here? It's Okay, so it's an innovative therapeutic approach that helps individuals better understand and heal their inner selves. And it helps us under, understand our internal worlds and how to cultivate self-awareness, compassion-y, compassion-y, <laughs> compassion and harmony uh, within ourselves. Uh, 
So Dr. Richard Schwartz was the one that created this therapeutic model. And it's a way to view our minds as being composed of different parts, each with its own unique voice, emotions, and belief. These parts, sometimes referred to as inner selves, can be both protective and wounded, influencing our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And um, I'm going to enter, like, I want to say that what I think this is, understanding this, the reason why I feel led to it right now is me understanding the nervous system, a light bulb went off and I was able to forgive myself for so much because I realized from studying the nervous system that I was keeping myself alive during my self-destructive behavior years. And whenever I realized that it's, you don't feel so much shame and you're freed up. So I think I'm being led to this model to study and, you know, to share with you because maybe you're the same way. Maybe there's parts of yourself that are conflicting or that you're rejecting whenever, once the light gets gets turned on and we're like, oh, like those parts are important then maybe we can be a little bit less judgmental of those and more loving to ourselves because I did, you know, my notes are all over the place with this, but there's like the eight C's is kind of like the goal in this. And it's confidence, calm, compassion, courage, creativity, clarity, curiosity, and connectedness. And who wants, what doesn't want more than more of that? And it, you know, professionals from the website, it says professionals from many different backgrounds, such as but not limited to legal mediation, school administration, life coaches, and religious leaders may utilize IFS to inform and guide their work. Our growing list of educational programs aims to serve not only therapists, but the wider public and other professions. The mission of IFS Institute is to bring more self-leadership into the world. So that was where I got that from. And of course, I'm going to link it. And I'm also going to link this video that um, is on their page. It's a YouTube video that I watched that you can look into. What he says on this is that all of us have multiple personalities. You know, you hear of people being diagnosed with it. My husband's brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. I think there's different versions of it, but you know, we all know it has, they have multiple personalities. And what this model teaches us is that we all have multiple personalities, but those that have been diagnosed, like my brother-in-law, that's, you know, part of, he's, I believe a ward of the state is how they word it. Um, Like they take care of him. You know, it's very costly where he is in his um, illness. And, you know, I know that my father-in-law, you know, spent a ton of money to take care of him. And it's like, that's just, that was the safest and best way for him. It's just a really sad disease. And what happens is, is we all have it, but those who've been diagnosed in his case have just like been blown apart by, more by horrific trauma in their lives. And I don't know what his trauma was, um... I know that there's links to smoking pot at a younger age and schizophrenia. Like if you already have the gene um, or you're predisposed to it and then you start taking drugs, that 
drugs specifically at a younger age, maybe because it makes you so freaking paranoid um, whenever you're younger anyway. I remember my first time I was like every cop or every car light I thought I was just was sure was the cops coming to get us because we were like too young to be doing that. But I was going to a private school and, you know, that was my first exposure to it. And I was like, this is not fun. Who knew that like years later it would be like what calmed me down instead of, because at that time it did not calm me down. It really uh, made me paranoid. <laughs> but so I wonder if, you know, that it, your mind being taken to that place, you know, when you're real young, I, I don't know. I don't know, but there are links to it and you guys can study on that. But each of us have parts and they are all good. Okay. That alone is like, what? Like even the part of me that becomes a little like brat with my husband and the part of him that becomes a little brat with me, like, because they say this, understanding this can help you with yourself and it can also help you with other people. And I was thinking, well, I would love to have Mr. Shorts on here, Dr. Shorts, because I'd like to know, well, how's it going to help me with other people? But I kind of just answered my own question because whenever you have parts of yourself and you finally accept like that it's all good, it all serves a purpose, then that same other people that you judge their parts you can then look at them as they're all good too. Like, I don't have to hate my husband sometimes and he doesn't have to hate me. Well, I don't know. He's not studying the internal family system, but we'll have to teach him about it. But when you when you see something as a burden or bad, it makes sense that you often feel like at war with yourself or with others. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so basically... What I think that I'm getting from all this is that, going back to this diagram that I hope you're referencing right now, you've got the self, which is the center of a person. When differentiated, it acts as active, compassionate leader. Calmness, curiosity, compassion, connectedness, confidence, creativity, courage, clarity. We've talked about those. That's the self. So there's another part that are that's exiles. It holds painful painful emotions that have been isolated from the conscious self for protection of the system or for the part's safety. Become increasingly extreme in effort to be cared for and share their story. Carry burdens from being wounded. Rage, dependency, fear, terror, loneliness, shame, grief, loss. Then you have the firefighters. Firefighters also protect the systems, but act as but act after exiles are upset to either soothe them or distress, distract from them. Any activity can be used to get away from exiles, but common ones include driven, immersed in sleep, shopping, work, sex, diet, exercise, computer, video games, addictions, binge eating, suicide. It says suicidality. I've never heard it worded that way. Self-harm, violence, disassociation, distraction, obsession, compulsion, fantasy. Let me read that again. Firefighters are off. Sorry, this is like a really blurry diagram. I'm going to share it with you so that way when you look at it, you'll see why I keep on messing this up. 
Um, firefighters also protect the system but act after exiles are upset to either sue them or to strike from them. Because I'm thinking, like, in my self-destructive behavior area, I was, like, all about firefighting. Okay, so let's go back to exiles. Hold painful emotions that have been isolated from the conscious self-protection of the system or for the part safety. Okay, and it refers to... Shame, dependency, fear, terror, loneliness, rage, okay. Become increasingly extreme in an effort to be cared for and share their story. Carry burdens from being wounded, okay. Let's see here. Now, this other one, managers, protectors of the system, attempt to keep the person in control of every situation and relationship in order to protect them from feeling hurt or rejected. God bless. I have somebody that's come to my mind right now that is like that. Um under it says controller, judge, planner, self-critical, striver, passive, pessimist, caretaker. You know, I'm, even parts of myself have been this. You're probably, if you're listening to this and you know me well, you're probably like, yeah, you're, or you're the manager. Well, I'm also the self. I'm the exiles, the vibrant. Like, we all have all these parts in us. And it, the whole point of self-awareness is to get to where you can lead yourself. You can stop the sabotage, self-sabotaging behaviors. You can heal. You can just, you know, this is just another way to be more aware. So, okay. So here's another website that I've also shared, including that very bad diagram that's very blurry. But it says IFS, which is internal family systems, also identifies three different types of subpersonalities that exist within each person. Each part has a positive intent. A central tenet of IFS is that all parts are welcome in the system. See? Accepting all parts of ourself. Protective parts are divided into our managers and firefighters. Managers are strategic, task-oriented parts that strive to keep us safe and act as our perfectionist, People-pleasers, warriors, and inner critics. Protective parts termed firefighters go to extreme measures to extinguish pain when it's triggered. They are reactive and act out with extreme behaviors, including addiction or self-harming behaviors, in order to prevent our wounded parts from emerging. The, the third subtype are the exiles, the young and wounded parts that are burdened with dysfunctional beliefs about their worth and lovability. Healing occurs in IFS when the personality parts are freed or unburdened from their extreme roles. This occurs when trust in the self is restored, which then allows the self to know and understand the other personality parts. The first step in IFS is to learn how to access the self. Once in a state of self, oh, this is getting like kind of trippy and weird. I like it. Now I'm like, okay, now I got to find a practitioner that... I got my brain spotting appointment, but who does IFS? Once in a state of self, one will know how to communicate with each part in order to promote inner system harmony. I wonder if that is like their get you to your subconscious or something. The goal in IFS is to integrate an individual's personality components into a balanced behavioral system. IFS is an evidence-based treatment that has been shown to be effective for treating depression, anxiety, Phobias, panic disorders, and rheumatoid arthritis. That's weird. When I came into recovery, I worked with an IFS therapist to help me get to know my exiles. 
This was helpful in healing that part of myself that I felt like she was never good enough and had to always achieve more in order to be acceptable. I since have taken many IFS classes and apply IFS in my coaching practice. Help my clients see when they are blended with their parts and develop the capacity to separate from their harmful parts. They learn to alleviate the struggle between polarized parts and understand their core concern. This leads to a sense of internal peace and calm. Who is after that internal peace and calm? I know I am. I'm going to Google right now how to get to a state of self in IFS. Let's see what it says. The concept of self in IFS is a way to describe a state in which all people seem to fall into certain situations. Operationally, during an IFS session, this state can be reached by identifying and unblending from all the other parts that are active in a specific moment. Hmm. That might have just gone above my head. But, okay, so the additional notes I have on this... I'm including, I'm adding this link now. Um, sorry, I'm not the best teacher in this because I'm seriously studying it along with you. Again, next week will be more, I can give you firsthand like how it's going with it. So what I see is that, let's see here. When we can begin to heal and integrate them, leading to an increased self-awareness and personal growth, we do it by acknowledging and understanding these parts. So, some common examples include the inner critic, which can be self-judgmental and critical. I know her. And the exiles, which carry emotional pain and traumatic experiences. We talked about them. Other parts might include the protectors, who aim to keep us safe, and the firefighters who try to distract or numb us from painful emotions. The IFS model suggests that by developing a compassionate and curious relationship with our parts, we can create an inner dialogue that allows for healing and integration. The key is to approach our parts with empathy, understanding their intentions, and working towards transforming their negative beliefs or behaviors. IFS has been utilized in various therapeutic settings and has proven effective in treating trauma, anxiety, depression, and relationship issues. By fostering self-compassion and understanding, individuals can experience increased self-acceptance, emotional regulation, and improved relationships with others. It ultimately allows individuals to unlock their true potential and live more fulfilling lives. It's a tool for personal growth and healing. It views the mind as being composed of different parts, each with its own voice, emotions, and beliefs. I think the biggest takeaway for me right now, just sharing with you, is there are times where, you know, crazy is kind of like a a wound for me because, you know, the whole town called my mom crazy, and I, we, I felt like we were outcasts whenever I was 12. She was definitely an outcast, and because I lived with her, I kind of, made me feel like one too. So there's always this, and I know my mom has the same wound because even though the whole town wasn't against her mom, her mom really struggled with mental illness and didn't get treated until she was 40. And she actually had, my grandmother had a manic depressive disorder or now they call it bipolar. 
And so some people truly need medicine forever. Some people, they it's in their family, maybe in their genetic code, and they have this predisposition for it, me raising my hand. But if they are not taking a depressant, which would be alcohol, if they're not ingesting drugs, if they're getting movement, if they're getting enough sleep, they can handle it without medication. And that's where I think that I'm at because I'm like nine days, no medication after having been weaned off of it. And, but I know for a fact, there are people that it doesn't matter how much you exercise. And like for me, it didn't matter how much I exercise or whatever I did, if I was going to be getting drunk and stuff, like it was going to be counteract counterproductive. And if you are someone listening who struggles with depression and you're considering to take take medication but you drink alcohol and you can't stop drinking alcohol because I would say do that first I know for a fact me taking medicine for my depression helped me stop drinking alcohol in January of 2022 I started taking medicine for depression and by July of 2022 I was able to be like hey this doesn't make sense anymore Like, it only makes me, I was able to make, like, logical sound decisions because my anxious, like, heart was not, like, ruling all this, these impulsive behaviors. So, I quit drinking and, you know, things stayed calm for a really long time. And I remember my husband would joke because I'd say, I don't think I need my meds anymore. He's like, that's what all the crazy people say. They don't want to take their meds. But then I got to a point where I was like, no, you know, this is my body. You know, I've... I'm going to, under the care of my doctor, like, this is what I'm going to do. And as long as I don't act crazy, my husband doesn't care if I'm not on medicine. (laughs) But, you know, of course, I do think it's probably he's got a little PTSD because we went through some stuff that I haven't talked on the podcast. But it's it was during my dark night of the soul whenever I needed to take depression to kind of help me get through it. That it's like, oh, am I going to go back to that, you know, without it? And obviously, if, you know, my therapist, I was like, how would I know if I needed to go back? And she was like, well, if you get to the point where, you know, this, remember how you were then? Like, if that starts happening again. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. So, like, let's just, that'll kind of be my, my sign um, where... If I get to where, like, I just, I don't want to be a mom and I don't want to be a wife and just like those types of things. And, um, so that's where I'm at right now. And I I do like being a mom and I do like being a wife and everything's going good. And I, but I'm not just like, Hey, I'm going to stop taking medicine and like this whole, uh, therapy thing, be done with it. I believe there's I think I'm ready for different forms of therapy. And like I said, next week I'm going to talk to you about brain spotting. And brain spotting is really interesting. And it's about healing trauma. And that's where my psychiatrist lady told me she got me a referral to one of them. Because she's like, I think that's now kind of like what you're ready for. Talk therapy is not where I need to be right now. I've, I've done that. I'm like way beyond. I've evolved beyond that. And if you're still with me. If we, if you are actually with me because you're on your own healing journey and you're learning alongside me, talk therapy may not be for you either. Um, if 
if you've been able to hang through these conversations I've had. Um, I know that some of y'all cry, like we're healing together in a lot of ways. So it might be something to look into, you know, someone that focuses on IFS, internal family systems, if this resonates with you. The brain spotting is supposed to be something that helps heal trauma um, because it says it's like, uh, let's see here. I was looking into it earlier and I said, I was like, I'm not going to do the podcast about this today, but I, I'm going to cheat a little bit and tell you, cause I mean, I'm like, what am I getting myself into with this? <laughs> like I'm going to do something that's supposed to like radically heal trauma. So I'm like, what's, what, what is it? So what I read about that it is, is basically, um, the brain processes emotions and memories and uh, it's a therapeutic technique and it helps us unlock and heal deep-seated traumas. You know my episode deep-seated traumas and triggers meets true loves. I have true love. I have a, had a ton of deep-seated traumas. Traumas I didn't even know that I had that I got into within the first nine episodes and I healed them and you know now we're at like the sub stuff, like the sub roots, <laughs> like I talked about last week. But basically, brain spotting is a therapeutic technique, and it's developed by Dr. David Gran, a renowned psychologist. And it's based on the ideas that our eyes hold a direct connection to our brain, and it allows us to access and process unresolved trauma, negative emotions, and memories. So EMDR, which is eye movement, something. I something resolution therapy you can google it because we're I'm not going to talk about it because I'm not doing that that used to be the gold standard it's like a similar way to like just heal the trauma and now this is the new like it's becoming the new gold standard but that one for so long everybody's most people have heard of EMDR but um Brain spotting involves directing the client's gaze to a specific spot while they focus on an issue, trauma, or emotion. By maintaining this gaze, we tap into the brain's innate ability to process and release unresolved experiences. It's a non-invasive method that can bring about profound healing and transformation. Like, I'm so excited. Um, the science behind the brain spotting, like how it affects our brain and nervous system, and basically, brain spotting works by activating the brain's natural self-regulatory mechanisms. We focus our eyes on a specific spot and engages the, what is it called? The anumagala, umdagala, I don't know how to pronounce it. Omdagala, I think that's what it is, omdagala. Okay, hold on one second. I got I to gotta make sure it's right for you guys. Omdagala, okay, so how do we pronounce it? amygdala. Wow. That was pretty awful. <laughs> I just did there, but it helps. It, it goes by, um, engages with amygdala, which is, and then the prefrontal cortex, which, you know, I know about that. Cause that was what I used to always say to like, give myself some grace. Cause I'd be like our prefrontal, pre oh, sorry, prefrontal cortex isn't even fully developed till we're like 28 years old. So like that was part of the reason why I made so many bad decisions. But when we focus our eyes on a specific spot, it engages the amygdala, the hippoc 
hippocampus and the prefrontal cortex, which are key regions involved in emotional processing and memory. So that's interesting. This simulation allows for the reintegration and reprocessing of traumatic memories, leading to a reduction in emotional distress. So basically what it's going to do is it's going to help me like release the charge off of a lot of the things that, you know, I've talked to you guys about on here. Like even that unwantedness that's come up recently. It's like, I'll be like, I can talk about someone almost like murdering me when I was 20 years old and it doesn't make me cry anymore. Like somebody that I loved that almost murdered, like whenever I was technically married, I got an annulment, but whenever that very severe abuse happened that evening and I had to escape, I can talk about that and there's no emotion whatsoever because I've healed it. Now, it would have been a lot nicer to have healed it faster than um, I did But, you know, like there's no charge, there's no emotion, there's no visceral sensations in my body. Like that was very intense for me at a time, if you can imagine. If someone were to turn their face to me real fast, there was a man, I would like jump if they would like do something like, like just be funny and then just like kind of reach or like look at me real fast. I remember jumping. I was so... Uh, just like, it was, all I can say is I was not where I am now. Like I couldn't base, and basically that's what this stuff does. There's stuff that's lingered in me, in you, where we still have emotion from it. There's still charge. And I would like to be able to get it all out. Because it's not like it's going to snap the finger and make it go away. I believe, from my understanding, that I'm allowed to, like, release it. Now, I don't know for sure. I'll let you know how it goes. But it says this stimulation allows for the reintegration and reprocessing of traumatic memories, leading to a reduction in the emotional distress. So, I think it means, like, the future emotional distress. Um. It says the benefits it can offer is clients can overcome past traumas, alleviate anxiety, and improve their overall emotional well-being. Brain spotting has the potential to unlock deep-seated emotions and provide a safe space for healing. It fosters self-awareness, resilience, and personal growth. Like, what if there's emotions that are going to come out that I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know, like, that that was, like, a thing. Um, That's why I'm like, this is what I'm ready for next. I'm sober. I've been sober a year and a half. Like I'm ready for this this deep, deep, even deeper work. Um, so basically, if you were interested in this, exploring this technique like I am, you want to find another like trained and certified brain sprouting practitioner. They have them. They're on websites. Like it lists it. That way you have a safe and supportive environment to explore the emotions and memories. Um, You always want a professional. But basically, that's what's happening next week. And I'll keep you posted. My appointment's on the 11th. I'll record on the 11th. You'll hear it on the 12th. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you to next week. And now I guess all of next week's episode will be sharing with you the experience. Anyway, love you. Talk to you next week. Bye.